0: Hello, and welcome to the Why We Argue podcast. I'm Robert Talish, your host. I'm professor of philosophy at Vanderbilt University. Why We Argue is produced by Humility and Conviction in Public Life, a project based at the University of Connecticut, which explores how to balance our deepest commitments with open-mindedness, a respect for reason, and intellectual humility. The series, which is made possible by generous funding from the John Templeton Foundation, features brief discussions with publicly-minded thinkers about the state of civil discourse in contemporary democracy. Now today, my guest is Joshua Cohen. Josh is a distinguished political philosopher who has held the Martha Sutton Weeks Professorship in Ethics and Society at Stanford University and the Leon and Anne Goldberg Professorship of the Humanities at MIT. He is currently on faculty at Apple University and is Distinguished Senior Fellow at the School of Law, the Department of Philosophy, and the Department of Political Science at Berkeley. In addition to all this, Josh has edited the Boston Review since 1991. Hi, Josh. How are you?
1: Uh, Pretty good, Bob. Uh, Nice to talk.
0: Nice to talk to you, too. Um, So let's get to it. Uh, The U.S. election, the preceding campaign season and the president's first month in office, I think by anyone's measure have all been surprising. Um, Now you, Josh, have been uh, one of the pioneers uh, in formulating and uh, advocating a conception of democracy according to which public deliberation, public discourse, um, the sharing uh, and exchanging of reasons are all central to the democratic idea Uh, and the democratic ideal, uh, and might even be intrinsically tied to the very idea of a legitimate uh, democracy. Um, But I think also maybe by anyone's measure, uh, public discourse these days uh, seems to have many troubling aspects. And perhaps some of those troubling aspects um, might be uh, not just unfortunate, but... um, bad for democracy or, or, or contributing to the degradation of democracy. Um, what's your thought? What are your thoughts about the state of public discourse in the country these days?
1: Um, it's terrible. <laughs> Let's <laughs> move on, move on to the next question. Um, no, I actually, let me try to be a little more, uh, uh subtle, uh, than that, though. I do think, um, it's, uh, It's pretty bad, Um, and uh, since it's obvious that it's that it's pretty bad, uh, let me say uh, a few things about um, ways that you know on the upside that it may not be so bad. And I I say these not because on balance I think things are very rosy, uh, but because it may be helpful and. Um uh uh getting a little you know a, a more balanced assessment since I think we're lots of us including me are you know very concerned about the state of uh public discourse and public policy and politics Sounds good. Yeah. So um So a few things. First um I think the um, take the awful, what I think is, you know, awful, uh, executive order on immigration and, uh, refugees that, uh, uh, was issued on, uh, January 27th. Um, I, I think there's been, a, a, a very powerful and to this point from practically speaking effective pushback, uh, from, uh the courts on the executive order and it the the pushback from the courts i think has not only uh stopped the uh, halted the execution uh of the order but i think i think um, uh, that the pushback from the courts has uh improved the quality of but my sense from where i sit improved the quality of public discussion about um uh, b- both the substantive uh, issues about uh, immigration and borders, and also the issue issues about the nature of executive orders, the power of uh, courts, the power of the uh, executive. Uh, and I'm just going to take a couple of uh, kind of you know ob- observations uh, like that. I think the insane quality of lots of public discourse has also um, had a kind of um uh a focusing effect for uh lots of uh large uh, large and small uh media outlets uh media outlets is a majority i like like the New york times and the washington post and i think there's been Um, A lot of, you know, very serious uh, thinking and rethinking of what the role of um, uh, uh, the role of the media is, what the norms of political coverage are, a a willingness to uh, call out. You know lies as lies, or or you know misrepresentations uh, of the truth as mis- misrepresentations of the truth. A break from a norm of reporting both sides of a story as the standard way to do business. This is uh, something that uh, uh, Jay Rosen at NYU has been very very thoughtful in mm-hmm. uh, discussions of. This is this kind of a resting impact on the. And and I know it. You mentioned I edit Boston Review. We have. Um, you know, thought very, you know, hard about the implications of this, uh, degenerate state of public discourse for the kinds of things that we should be doing. So I think the courts have, uh, have had this, uh, maybe, uh, have up their, their game and up the, the game of public discussion around the issues that they've been engaged in. I think the media have up their game. Um, I think there's been, you know, for people who are broadly on, you know, my, my side of the, uh, of political, uh, discussion, people broadly on the left, uh, I, I, I think there are, that, that for some, uh, people there's been, uh, a kind of, you know, renewed awareness, um, to go to the, the, this, uh, idea of humility plus conviction that, you know, lots of us have had lots of conviction and maybe not enough, uh, humility. I think there's been an increased self-awareness among, maybe among some, uh, progressives about, uh, the ways in which they have been, they, we have been, um, uh, you know, guilty of the, the, the very kinds of, uh, behaviors of uh, knee jerk assertions, uh, you know, partisan, uh, using partisan prisms to, um, uh, evaluate evidence and, uh, issues, uh, I- insufficient appreciation of the, you know, available arguments on other sides of issues or of the burdens on people different from ourselves. So, so I, so th- those are three things. Courts may be upping the game of in public discussion about some issues. Uh, uh, because courts are under attack, uh, media I think doing a, a much better job than they had done for a long time, and really changing their conception about how they're supposed to engage in, in um, uh, engage in and provide an infrastructure for public discussion, and uh, also maybe uh, an impact on the self understanding of. Uh, progressives and a, a, maybe a better sense of the need for a, a, a more appropriate combination of humility and con, uh, conviction as well.
0: Excellent. So let's, let me ask about the sort of first two uh, sort of yeah. uh, in your trio, because um, the courts and the media are um, the, not the two, but maybe the central two um, uh, institutions of democracy that um, seem uh, to have been called into question, particularly uh, by some of the president's recent pronouncements um, yes. about so-called judges, for example, and about fake news. Yes. Um, so, so I, I, I really appreciate, let me, let me just say, I really appreciate the optimistic uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, thought Um but you know, I mean, I was
1: hearing a butt that was a about- one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yet, um one wonders uh when so much of the public discourse um and, and maybe i spend i will confess uh, i I might spend a little too too long sort of um uh not participating in but monitoring and looking at uh comments threads and things, and it's very, very um disconcerting in a way. Uh, to see how quickly um, these forums um, uh, turn on the courts and the media as fundamentally anti-democratic agencies in our society, Um, that fake news, the term, now just means um, news that reports something that challenges your own, political perspective um, and uh, the so-called judges uh, that, that the unelected unaccountable judiciary are, <laughs> um, Seems uh, again n- not merely to be criticized on the grounds that it it looks like in a democracy you can criticize judges for for the rulings that they that they render and uh, criticize the courts and criticize judicial review. I mean we could do all this, but the idea that these are fundamentally um, illegitimate and um, anti-democratic institutions seems um, to be coming prevalent uh, in a way that that that. that at least gives me reason to think that the optimism has to be really qualified at this point.
1: Yeah. Um, I think of it as hopefulness rather than optimism, ah. but, uh, but anyway, but, but let me, uh, um, uh, uh, uh optimism, I think of as, uh, the view that, Uh, Martin Luther King characterized as uh, the myth of time. That is that, as he put it, that progress rolls in on the wheels of inevitability. If that's optimism, I'm not optimistic. Progress doesn't roll in on the wheels (laughs) of inevitability, but, uh, uh, um, hopefulness I take as a different thing. So let me, let me say two things. I think there there may be two different points that you're making, and let me try to uh, make a few comments about each. So on the, you're, but on the point about, uh, courts and media, uh, as two key institutions in uh, democracy, um, uh, yes. And, uh, that's why I singled them out. And let me, uh, back up a step. If you go back to Madison federalist 51, um. The, the idea is he has the idea there about ambition being made to counteract ambition. Uh, and that's a way in which you prevent, uh, overweening exercises of power. Uh, he was particularly, uh, interested in, um, the, uh, ambition of, of the legislature of Congress uh, counteracting the ambition of the executive and and uh, vice versa um, uh, the ambition of Congress is not doing much counteracting of the ambition of the executive because you know, uh, because of partisan uh, and and and, and for that matter, policy allegiances between, uh, the Republican dominated Congress and, uh, the president, despite the, you know, differences, uh, arguably persisting differences on views about uh, Russia and on views about trade policy, there's an enormous amount of overlap there and there is the par- common partisan affiliation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what's happened, uh, because of the attacks not just on uh, individual decision, judicial decisions uh, in in particular cases or just on particular uh, journalists or uh, papers or cable news channels or whatever, but because there's been a kind of an attack on the institutions with comments about Judge Curiel, for example, or with the comments about Judge Robar being a so-called judge. Those are attacks on the institution. And I think what's happened is that there's been a recognition of that on the part of, you know, a bunch of people in the press and a bunch of uh, judges. And what they're doing is pushing back, not just about particular stories or about particular cases, but pushing back um, uh, in, in defense of the, in, uh, of the institution itself now, as it happens, uh, something you pointed out, uh, one of the things that courts are supposed to do is not only, you know, come to decisions in particular cases, but provide, you know, be play a role in, um, in, Uh, contributing to a kind of principal discussion of issues of uh, public concern. Not that they are the sole arbiters or arguably even the supreme judges of those issues, but they help to um, move uh, discussions about political issues uh, onto a uh, they help, they contribute to moving them onto a plane of principle. And I think that they've been playing that role, which is an improvement in the quality of public discussion. And, and I think the same thing is true of the, uh, the media. That's their, you know, their, uh, their role. And I think there there's been much deeper self-consciousness uh, because of the insti- the attack on them as institutions about the need, uh, uh, to play that role. Um, now, So that's so, yes, there's a there's a defense of these important, I think, a rather self-conscious defense of these important democratic institutions in the spirit of uh, ambition being made to uh, counteract uh, ambition. Now you uh, rightly then observe that. Um, you know, if you look at social media outlets, uh, you know, the discussions there often degenerate pretty quickly, I'm a, maybe a more active participant in some of that than you. I, I, I'm a pretty, uh, I regular both observer and participant on, uh, Twitter, yeah. um, and less on Facebook these days. And also there's a, a, a kind of far right uh, alternative to Twitter. It, it happens to be far right by who's there, gab.ai. And I, right. I was spending a little bit of time there. Um, and you're right, uh, that, uh, you know, those are not models of, uh, neither one of those are models of, uh, public reason. Uh, exactly. <laughs> um, but, uh, at least on the surface, but, uh, I, I'm, uh, um, two, let me make two observations there. First of all, in the case of Twitter, I think it's a little bit silly to regard, uh, I, 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 Twitter as a forum for discussion. I mean, the you know, the messaging is too short. I think the role of Twitter is it's a broadcast medium. It's a way that you call people's attention to things that are worth reading. And I myself benefit enormously uh, from that. Uh, I follow a few people. They point me in the right direction to things that are worth reading that I wouldn't otherwise have noticed. And some of the things that I read are the things that I get pointed to and read are all over the place politically. So I learn a bunch uh, from doing that. And I think if you use it properly there's much, there's a great deal to be learned i also do get into you know the conversations arguments uh with with people who i really disagree with and uh, wouldn't otherwise be engaged with at all and honestly uh what i find is um yeah you know, you know, this is, you know, as John, John Stuart Mill wouldn't have been surprised by this. Right. Uh, you learn stuff and you learn stuff even when you don't change your mind. You, you know, that million idea that you get a better grip uh, through public, through public in, in debate on the meaning and the grounds of your convictions, even when you don't change your convictions. Absolutely true. It's re I find it really clarifying. I don't find it clarifying when, you know, I start getting the Jew this and Jew that, you know, which, you know, is about 1% of what I get, mm-hmm. but you know, people disagree pretty sharply and you have, and, and, and you know, this goes to the humility point. You end up having to think harder. Public discussion, serious public discussion is a hard business. And to go back to my earlier point, I think lots of people with whom I agree on lots of issues uh, are, you know, to put it maybe very bluntly, are just as lazy in thinking about stuff as the people they disagree with. And and I'm just I'm pointing to myself when I say that. And that's one of the things that I've learned uh, by. uh by engaging with uh, people with whom I fundamentally uh, disagree. I mean, and when I say people with whom I fundamentally disagree, one person I've gotten to know on Twitter is Richard Spencer. the All right. I, I fundamentally disagree with him. We met on Twitter. We communicated some. I met, met up with him in person. We had a conversation for a couple of hours. Uh, I didn't exactly try to persuade him of anything. He didn't exactly try to persuade me, but I learned a bunch from uh, I find his views completely loathsome. I found them no less loathsome after meeting him than I did before meeting him. Nevertheless, um, you know, I think I am more convinced than ever that Mill was right about the value of uh, uh, engaging in uh, debate around, with people with whom you fundamentally disagree. Anyway,
0: well, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I, I, I'm. Um... John Stuart Mill is a hero of mine as well. But um, do you run into um, the following uh, kind of um, trouble? Um, not from the people who you fundamentally disagree with, but from the people who um, you share political ground with mm-hmm. uh, in that um, uh, in my own engagements of these, in these sort of million ways um, I've come across the view that, um, to take certain kinds of oppositional views um, seriously in that million way is to capitulate to them or to um, dignify them in a way that um, it's not only um, strategically unwise to dignify them or capitulate to them or acknowledge them, but also maybe politically suspicious? Do you come across that?
1: I come across that some, but actually... Uh, not so much. I mean, th- there have been a couple of people, uh, you know, on, uh, th- th- there's one person in particular, and uh, uh, who was really <laughs> beating up on me for, um, engaging at all in just the way that you describe, whether it was dignifying or legitimating or some bad thing right. to these uh views and and the fact of the matter is uh if you're going to engage at all in ways that uh that you might learn something from it typically what you've got to do is you know bend over backwards to you know have pe- a bunch of people yelling at you and you have to- you know you have to be much politer to them than you are to your friends <laughs> but, if you know and so so there have been there's at least one person, maybe there are two people who've um, uh, come at me pretty hard. But, you know, and I, but it's not a, I don't think that's a crazy thing to think. Um, uh, so I didn't mind. Uh, I think that, too, I thought, hmm, maybe you're right. I don't think so. But uh, I'm you know, it's it's a, the, the voice of this person, you know, kind of slapping at me, uh, you know, is vividly present for me when I, uh, when I do this kind of thing, but I, I don't, uh, um, you know, it, it, I mean, here's an, it just, it's an example that's in this space. Uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, so after the, um, uh, the Milo fiasco at Berkeley, mm-hmm. um, uh, um, uh, there was a, a, uh, I, I said something on uh, Twitter, um, basically, and it was partly in response to what um, and Trump had said about, you know, I don't know, taking money away from Berkeley or some horseshit. Right. What it was. But anyway, I said something, I made four points. Uh, first, you know, that I thought, you know, Milo was... A, you know, an asshole. Uh, um, uh, secondly, that I thought the protests, uh, it was, that were great. That it was great that people came out to protest. Third, that I thought the silencing and violence were bad. And fourth, that I thought, you know, Trump should, you know, shut up. And again, that was on the, the fact that he had gone after the university. Um, and no one, not a single person said, Oh, you, you know, million asshole silencing was good. Right. Uh, no one. I mean, literally no one. But I got a shitstorm, a shitstorm from the right because I distinguished between the protest, which I thought was great, and the silencing and violence which i thought was bad and these people all thought that this was just bullshit to distinguish uh between uh between these two and when i say "shit," i mean i don't know a thousand people you know it was it was like you know, there is this tro- trolling or whatever and this phenomenon of the swarming. And it was, you know, like six year olds playing soccer, you know, like they all go to the ball. Well, they all, you know, <laughs> there are a lot of people who get, and, uh, so I, I don't get, um, uh, you know, I'm sh- Yeah. I, I, I just didn't, I, and I'm, I, I can really th- I you know, go back to what I said before about this one, one, or maybe it's two people. It's really, uh, infrequent. Uh, I, I found for myself anyway, to get that kind of, kind of criticism. Oh. Um, yeah. So d- let me add one other thing sure. because, you know, I, I, and, and I, I um, I, you know I in in the earlier part of the conversation uh, we were talking about courts and the media as institutions, and I was saying that they were they were you know not only pushing back against criticisms on particular decisions or particular stories but defending the institutions themselves which have an important role in in uh, public discussion and i and I think arguably that'll have beneficial consequences on public discussion I, I don't want to single them out to the exclusion of, you know, singling out, uh, of, 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 emphasizing, uh, what I think will probably be a pretty good, um, uh, consequence for public discussion of lots of people feeling, you know, uh, people, you know, progressives, people on the left feeling like, you know, rightly, that they are under assault and getting politically engaged. Um, And when I look at these, you know, town halls where lots of people are showing up and, you know, pissed off and pushing back hard, um, you know, I I think that probably – you know it's 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 unfortunate that it, it, it you know it took this you know potentially disastrous calamitous election to have that effect but I think there's been a powerful effect on uh, uh, you know political on political mobilization and political mobilization in ways that I think you know w- w- could well have a a, pow- a positive impact on uh on uh, uh on public discussion so you know we'll see about that and also uh similarly i think there's been a renewed appreciation um because of the this you know victory at, at the of, of trump and the republicans at the national level uh there's also been a renewed appreciation of the incredible weakness of uh the you know political left, uh, the, you know, whether the Democrats or alternatives to the Democrats at the subnational level. And I think there's a fair bit of, uh, engagement that's happening at that level. And, uh, I also think that that's probably likely to have a, uh, a good effect on, on, uh, on, 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 on public, uh, uh, discussion, but you know we'll see. But I, I don't want to just make the you know, focus on the the fancy institutions, so to speak, uh, and 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 neglect the you know what's you know core to uh, uh, democracy, uh, you know public engagement. Anyway,
0: great. Yeah. So um, you've been very generous with your time. Let me uh, ask one one more question uh, mm-hmm. to, uh, to 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 wrap us up. Do you have any lessons or advice that you might share with? Uh, our listeners about, for example, uh, how they might engage with social, social media?
1: Um, I do think that I, I love this, this, you know, humility conviction, um, pairing. Um, and what, what I love about it is that both things are really important. Um, and it's really hard to have both. It can, you know, I, it's, 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 it's easy to feel that uh, humility is the enemy of conviction. That's the old, you know, Robert Frost of liberals or people who can't take their own side in an argument. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, the conviction is the enemy of humility. I don't think that the, that the one is the enemy of the other, but they are hard to maintain in a uh, kind of you know equipoise. Um, and i I think um, uh, the way i the way I found my just speaking for myself and reiterating way what I was saying earlier, I think that um, uh the way you can learn things in these. Uh, Well, actually, let me make two points. First, the way you can learn things in the social media settings is probably by erring on the side of uh, humility and erring on the side of humility means, you know, being very, very aware of the ways in which you're doing the very things that you're accusing other people of doing. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the, The kind of, you know, resting too much on you know, pre, uh, on preconceptions, uh, reading controversial evidence, uh, in ways that, uh, conform to your, uh, uh, pre-existing convictions, uh, uh, and, and, you know, so erring on that side is helpful in engage when you're engaging in conversations. And, and I do think I find, as I say, that I do, um, uh, I, I do learn something. I, I learn a bunch by doing that. The other thing I think is that, you know, if you, um, you think about these social media outlets, uh, you know, tw- let's say Twitter and, uh, Facebook in particular gab, I don't know how long that'll go. And it's a, a very narrow band of opinion on it. These are really, uh, pretty new. I mean, you know, Facebook is, you know, roughly a decade old Twitter, roughly a decade old, although, you know, with a little bit slower growth, uh, initially, and I don't think, uh, we've kind of learned yet how to, uh, you know, what the, what the appropriate norms of engagement and criticism and response and non-response and, uh, are there. and. Uh, it takes time to figure out, uh, to figure out how to do these things. And, um, so, so I think that a little bit of, uh, so a combination of humility, uh, if you're going to learn something and you can learn things, humility, really important. Secondly, not just humility, but patience, trying to figure out, uh, you know what the norms of discourse are in these you know still relatively new uh venues for uh, mass uh communication and I always do that um in, you know informed by you know very you know this sort of back the background uh, conviction conviction from um you know, uh you know, Lincoln about, uh, patient confidence in the ultimate justice of the people. Um, what, you know, what better hope is there? And, uh, you know, there are lots of circumstances like the present where it's easy to, uh, lose firm grip on that, uh, hope and, and, and on the grounds for that patient confidence. But I, I, I don't know. I, I think people give up too quickly I think you know democracy and a good it's really it's hard work. It's really hard work. So that's my recommendation do the hard work.
0: Uh Josh that's wonderful. Thank you so much for your time uh, uh for talking to us uh t- talking with us today. Um, And thank you, listener, for uh, checking out the Why We Argue podcast, which is produced by the University of Connecticut's Humility and Conviction in Public Life project, with generous support from the John Templeton Foundation. You can follow the project on both Twitter and Facebook at at Public Humility. Thank you so much. Bye for now.